It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. And you still like me or you you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You're all right. (laughs) I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, Longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth. In America, wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. I cannot lead you into battle. I do not give you laws or administer justice, but I can do something else. I can give you my heart and my devotion to these old islands and to all the peoples of our brotherhood of nations. You know, sometimes you get tired of a news story, maybe it's a hurricane or some other world event, but the death of Queen Elizabeth still is um, very interesting to me. Uh, there's a, there's a, like a overflow. It's, just, it's like a sweet and a sad event. And uh, she was such a, a character in history. And so it hasn't even been hardly two weeks uh, since they laid her to rest. And this is what it sounded like. funeral that was the last time God Save the Queen was uh, sung, because now it's God Save the King as King Charles takes his uh, role in the world. Well, one of my favorite friends and guests is with me in studio today. You've heard her many times at this microphone, and uh, it's our delight to have Katie Hopkins in studio today. Katie. <laughs> Thank you very much for having me back. Oh, I, I have to, I have, yeah, there's so much to talk about, but let me just tell people that you are, if they don't know, a British conservative media personality. Many of you have seen you on Tucker Carlson, on uh, Sean Hannity, Fox News, BBC. Although lately, you were sort you sort of gotten deep water because you were too conservative for them, and we all get that now. Um, you are a trained economist. You graduated from the Royal Military Academy in Sandhurst. She was sponsored through Exeter University by the Intelligence Corps and held a 35-year regular commission with the British Army. She was the most read columnist at the Daily Mail, the most listened to Sunday commercial radio show. Uh, she appeared on BBC, Fox News, and on, I just talked about American media. But Katie is uh, very controversial because she has strong opinions. Most of them I share, and she stepped in it because she's from Great Britain, and they were not uh, as conservative as least part of America. Uh, so that's kind of a really sketchy setup for you, Katie. But thanks for joining us. Oh, not at all. <laughs> Thank you very much indeed. Katie, before we talk about the world, mm. and we are going to talk about the world. Sure. Um, Let's talk about Great Britain. 
were you in country? You're traveling a lot. Were you in country during this funeral? So I was, I left the UK on the day uh, of the Queen's funeral. And oh boy. Um, so Did as, you regret that? Uh, you know, I think life takes you in the path you're supposed to be on. And I always committed that I would throw myself to the road here in America once more to rally the red ahead of the midterm. So I am on the road here right up until the midterm. So I look at it as timing is, is just, that's the way it's supposed to be. But as I left the UK, British people were forming this enormous line all the way down the Thames, as far, as far as you could see, 30 hours. People stood in what we would call a queue, and you would call a line, in order to walk past the Queen's coffin and pay their final respects. And for two days and two nights, people joined that line and stood there in, in turn, politely, quietly, to just file past the coffin to say thank you. And I think that was just overwhelmingly, A, British, because British people love line, and B, just a magnificent thing. It was, it was like London stood still, but Great Brits came out to say thank you. And it was, it was typical of the Queen not that I knew her personally, but it was typical that in her passing, she unified the nation absolutely. It was amazing to watch. And I actually felt like it was a big line in the sand about Western civilization. So much of the service, and we could talk about that. I, I just, uh, the Archbishop of Canterbury, the, his words were so moving to me, but so much of what was presented there was quintessential Western civilization. It was Christian values, mm -hmm. uh, pride, hard work, uh, honoring, respectful. Um, it was just amazing. It was like, this This is what Western civilization looked like and should look like and can look like again. I just felt it was a breath of fresh air. Yeah, it was, it was sort of, it was so restorative. And yes. it was restorative for a brief moment in time. Um, London felt, and I, I say this purely in a nostalgic way, not in an anti-any-other-culture way, not in an anti-anyone way, but London looked and felt like it used to. Yes. People dressed smartly out of respect. Yeah. Um, people took to the streets out of respect and people were lovely to each other. Yes. And anybody, frankly, who was not a supporter, and that's okay, we don't all think the same, but they stayed home. And I actually thought that was rather respectful as too. well. I do too. Because could, wouldn't it be glorious if we could return to a space where if you disagreed, you could remove yourself from the situation and think, well, I don't need to be part of that. So actually that was a glorious thing as well. Yeah. And I felt, I feel, and clearly I don't speak for anyone but myself, but I feel like British people, I was speaking to my mum and dad and things, felt a sense of real pride that the, for the first time in a very long time, the view of Britain that was being portrayed to the world was one that we felt proud of. And that's the first time I felt that in 20, 30 years, you well, know. And well, you should have. Uh, the, the, the details, the intricacies of that funeral were executed. Just It was a marvel to watch, like every everything that they thought of, the, the staging areas, because it was so complicated. You know, two different services, two different places, or body transfer. Mm. It was amazing. I wanted a couple of my listeners wrote in. I wanted to read you. They, you know, people here, you know that that we are cousins, and they care. 
Uh, she says, unity and respect from the people of England was refreshing. It made me sad for America and what we have become, divided and disrespectful. The large crowds dressed up and in peace was truly an example of her influence on them. I loved the day. It brought me peace and comfort. And uh, isn't that cool, Katie? That, that's, exactly, that's exactly it. And you know that's still, so that's continuing now. So just briefly, I'm sure many of your listeners are aware, but for we're made up of England, Northern Ireland, Scotland and Wales. And for the longest time, the media portrayal and the sort of inference has been that Scotland wants to break away. Scotland wants independence. Scotland doesn't want anything to do with England or the monarchy or, you know, the ridiculousness of our parliament. And this sort of very anti uh, has been very strong. And it was clearly very upsetting for the Queen, but she would never have divulged that. Now, King Charles just went to Scotland yesterday with uh, the consort Camilla and they got out of their vehicle. And I have never in my life seen crowds in Scotland like it. And they were on their feet and they were cheering. I know I've got goosebumps telling it. And they were applauding. And I saw these men and women of Scotland and they were basically saying through their deeds, we support you. We're sorry for you. We support you and we're with you. And you could see the king said, my mother, my mama would be overwhelmed by your kindness today. So there was an untold story behind that of hurt caused to our Queen by the idea that Scotland wanted to break away, but the people taking to the streets to show that the media don't speak for them. And and that's just been, I know, I mean, it's emotional, but the parallels here, of course, are so much the same for ordinary Americans who would love to, who have, who do show up to say, the media don't speak for us. This is how we feel. Yes, yeah. there's ha- you know it's happening worldwide, which we're going to get to the worldwide picture in a minute. But um, I have to say that um, uh, this is interesting to me, Katie, because we don't uh, say how to say this. You you know that I'm a, 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 a devoted that Christ means a lot to me. That's very important, and I I uh, knew that the Queen had a serious faith, but I didn't realize how serious until I was doing all my reading and. Um, it was pretty amazing to me, and I feel like she had tremendous influence on her family. Obviously, it didn't take, but they they respect her enough to listen to her. But I think it's ironic that the Queen of England should be a committed Christian in the midst of a really secular culture. And uh, I, do, do you think that the people of England understood how serious she was about her faith? I don't that, think so, because I think it was because of obviously private matters to the Queen were never discussed or even she never had an opinion politically. That was always how she maintained her neutrality and I'd suggest longevity as well. But I think it must come back to the conversation about strength because in her position and her role and her life, where would one draw on strength because she could not confide in anybody or everybody she was the person everybody looked to. And yet I remember in in an unrelated way, not in, at all at the scale, but I remember talking to my boss once in an old firm I worked for and he was there late at night. And I remember saying, are you OK? Because there's something, isn't there, if you're the leader and everybody comes to you with their problems or their issues or they want you to solve things, I guess no one ever really asks, are you OK? And I, maybe she that was the conversation she had with God and that's why her faith would have been so strong because she probably relied on that relationship. 
Well, there's for her a, strength, I think. We, looking into that, Katie, she said so many things and wrote things, even back in her her, her young days, that people probably don't know about. But you're right. It, it used to be more private matter here. We talk about it more openly than you still do in England. Uh, yes. I think people don't even know that Abraham Lincoln was a committed Christian because they didn't talk about that stuff then, or George Washington. No, and indeed, yeah. indeed, that yeah, was that's so. a sort of thematic, isn't it? it historically, yeah. we were more private. My father yeah. still doesn't tell anyone how he votes because it's a private matter. <laughs> and now we're at a stage where in America, people have yard signs which say, this house believes, blah, 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 blah. They have yes, to shout yeah. it from the <laughs> know, side of the sidewalk. Or have to be harumph if they disagree with you on any minor detail. I'm not through with England because I have to ask you more things. Okay, <laughs> you're my expert on England. Uh, the uh, Tr- Prince Charles, I, I was I was impressed with. I don't like Prince Charles. Can I just be really blunt? Like yes. my friend Katie, I don't like him. I think I hate his politics. You know, me too. He's just pretty much of a not a rogue. That's too complimentary. But just whatever. Um, but I thought he comported himself beautifully on that day. Oh, I do too. And um, King Charles, I, I almost feel like he, it was almost like he presented it as with the ease of walking through a doorway. Yesterday he was prince. Today he was king. In the morning he, or mid-afternoon, he lost his mother. And by uh, mid-evening, he was addressing the nation as king. And Whatever goes on into that process, that is a lifetime of preparedness and training that the Queen must have installed in him. And he did that so much. And he was in Ireland and Scotland, just impossible journeys at an impossible time. And every time he was absolutely magnificent. And then I think the other thing that talks to what you just said is that he's not going to the climate change conference this week. I think he's going to remove himself to a position of neutrality. Oh, my gosh. Well, that is great news. It really is. When we come back, we have to talk about the new prime minister yep. and the old prime minister, uh, and we'll do that. And also the economy and the COVID and all the things happening there. <laughs> and then we will go to the world. I promise. <laughs> okay. My guest is Katie Hopkins. Katie, you're in the United States. Can you briefly tell us in 15 seconds here? Yes. Are you gonna be? Uh, I am going to be going from here to Georgia to Wisconsin to Florida and back to Pennsylvania. Okay. So we should put that on. We'll get the Thank schedule you. and put it on our getter page in case people want to come Thank here you. and speak. All right, Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Thank you. Thank well. Well, this is... This is it, folks. Thank you, everybody, for coming out so early this morning. In only a couple of hours, I will be in Balmoral to see Her Majesty the Queen. And the torch will finally be passed to a new Conservative leader. The baton will be handed over in what has unexpectedly turned out to be a relay race. They changed the rules halfway through, but never mind that now. And through that lacquered black door, A new Prime Minister will shortly go to meet a fantastic group of public servants. The people who got Brexit done. The people who delivered the fastest vaccine rollout in Europe and never forget. 70% of the entire population got a dose within six months faster than any comparable country. That is government for you. That's this Conservative government. Prime Minister, former uh, Boris Johnson, and uh, Katie Hopkins is my guest. Katie, 
We've talked about him so often over the phone when you were in Britain yes. and in the studio here. So um, you used to be friends with him. We had great hope. Uh, he was all about Brexit. Uh, and then he went south, and we've talked about it. So the put a, like a ending paragraph on the reign of Boris Johnson. Yes, and I would say the ending paragraph is, uh, it started so well, and he absolutely, without him, we would not have had Brexit, and we wouldn't have got Brexit done. But uh, once the COVID and lockdown kind of uh, blanket was thrown over Western Europe and indeed the rest of the world, uh, Boris Johnson turned on a dime and whatever it was they offered to world leaders to give up their nations, uh, he gave us up and he fully complied with whatever was required of uh, England and Great Britain and he imposed some of the most draconian lockdowns and the cruelest treatment of our elderly uh, that any of us could, well, we never would have imagined such a thing and then was caught himself not complying with any of these rules, uh, including having a party on the day that the Queen sat alone at her husband's own funeral. Um, and to me, and maybe to you, maybe to some of your listeners, it doesn't actually matter to me if people didn't comply with the rules, because I didn't believe in those rules anyway. But don't try and enforce them on people. Don't allow our elderly to die alone and then be partying behind the closed mm. doors of number 10. So that's really why you saw the end of Boris Johnson. He's kind of, he's just disgraced himself. He has. He sold I don't know himself he has out. to me. Yeah. I don't know if he has in Britain. But. Yeah, he sold himself out and he was seen as a disgrace. All right, so uh, you have a new prime minister, Liz Trust. And I'm really curious because I'm reading all kinds of things. And, of course, the fact uh, the uh, London, what is this called? This is the sorry, Financial Times. The tragedy of Truss is that she has a point. And then they talk about how they hope she doesn't prevail her worldview is a disaster. I would read it, but we don't have. I don't want to take time to do that. Okay, so what do you, Katie Hopkins? Tell me about Liz Truss. Liz Truss. So it came down to a kind of a, a duke out between two candidates: Liz Truss and Rishi Sunak. Rishi Sunak is a green card holding American. Not that that's a problem. He's often he has a home in California. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so if you were going to give me a candidate who was part of the problem, if you if you brought Newsom to England, that's what Rishi Sunak. So we're grateful we got trust. But uh, she's walked into a complete hailstorm of abuse. Obviously, she tried to cut the top rate of tax forty five percent. It looks like they're going to be forced to a U turn over that. She's much weakened because she's not been voted in by the people. She was voted in by members of the Conservative Party. Okay. So she's not seen as having a mandate. Therefore, anything people don't like, you know, they can apply pressure. So she started at a she started on a back foot at a very difficult time in a country where inflation's never been higher, our energy prices have never been higher, and frankly, the country is on its knees. So if you want to take over the role of Prime Minister at that point, you are a brave person indeed. And I'll say that for the lady. She is brave to be taking this on at this time. Okay, just so I understand, though, if she could execute her own policies, would they be good policies from your perspective? Yeah, she's a strong uh, believer in the UK. She's a strong believer in conservative uh, sort of responsibilities, fiscal responsibilities, smaller government, smaller state. So she has directionally the right idea whether she'll ever be allowed to accomplish anything in the same way, in the way that they operated around Trump to some extent. It's just that inability to get anything done because they're determined not to let her. So just another mess up at a time when we desperately need yeah. a leader to make it okay. Yeah. 
the world does need that, you know, oh. but we, we're going to get some, but we are not going to like the leaders we're going to get. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about now, it's an interesting trend happening really all over the world where the people are rising up. I think of the Dutch farmers, you know, out in their machines, you know, so great. Uh, you're just uh, protesting the fertilizer being withdrawn or the prices going so high. Uh, and we see it all over the place. I mean, the world is really in great unrest, but in pockets of the world, there have been great turnarounds. I think, of course, of um, Hungary. Just met the president of Hungary a couple of well, a month or so ago. So great. Yeah. So they they're you know doing great. Poland. Um, but most currently, we have this situation in Italy. And just to remind people, we talked about this last week. This is Giorgia Meloni. She just won the nomination for prime minister. And let's hear a little bit of what she had to say at CPAC. This is clip seven. Everything we stand for is under attack. Our individual freedom is under attack. Our rights are under attack. The sovereignty of our nation is under attack. The prosperity and well-being of our families is under attack. The education of our children is under attack. In front of this, people understand that in this age, the only way of being rebels is to preserve what we are. The only way of being rebels is to be conservatives. They will try to take everything away from us, but they can't take away who we are. And you know what? Cherishing who we are, knowing what we stand for, is all we need to face this challenge. Only a few months ago, European Union bureaucrats wrote a document hundreds of pages long telling us that in order to be inclusive, we had to exclude all references to Christmas. Jesus, Mary, and all Christian names were to be removed from all official communication. Will we surrender in front of this? No, we will not. We will fight it. We will fight it standing tall. And Georgia Maloney pre prevailed in the polls just, what, week before last. Katie? <laughs> so um, she sounds like Katie Hawkins. <laughs> Maybe Sandy Rios, too. Well, I mean, that's amazing, isn't it? It's, uh, it's unbelievably exciting. And what's even better is that behind this is a voting system in Italy where there's lots of different little parties. There's proportional representation and so it's not just that we have Georgia Maloney, but she stands, she was also elected alongside um, brilliant other right-wing parties that will definitely stand with her and look after her. So there's her and then there's an alliance. Uh, Salvini is part of it. It's a great, great leader. So she almost has this surrounding circle of wingmen who are going to also help defend her. She's not on her own. Um, so it's uplifting. It's exciting. She can really, I mean, if you hear her deliver that in Italian, where she's feeling the words, because it's hard in a different language to have the inflection. Oh, but she still did it. She still did she? it. But if you hear it in Italian, in front of an Italian crowd, it, it makes me weep every time. Yeah. And we, that's what gives me hope. It's that. It's This is hope. This too. is hope. I don't think, I, I did play several clips from Italy during the COVID mm. shutdown. And people were coming out after the shut, uh, when they were able to get out of there, in mass protesting, mass I mean, vigils. I mean, the people of Italy just were amazing. And so this is the result of that. 
So in some ways, COVID did us a favor. Uh-huh. Absolutely. That's the only way I can think of. But um, Brazil, uh, there they just <laughs> had a you know uh, runoff. Oh, no, they're going to go into a runoff. Yes. Uh, the current uh, president is Bolsonaro, and he's very conservative. And he's running against, I'm going to call him uh, De Silva because his name is so long. Uh, but De Silva is an old um, union guy, a socialist. Yes. All right, so I, but okay, that's enough for me. What do you think about yeah. what's going on? There? So the name they roll with for him is Lula. So Lula. it goes Lula versus Bolsonaro. Okay. And if oh, okay. you um, were to take a glimpse into, so the crowds that Bolsonaro's been pulling in the last week oh, or so, yes. the elections were on Sunday. 2.3 million Brazilians swarming the kind of beach and street sides. And bear in mind, these people have, you know, so little, very, many don't have a proper home to live in, but they care so much about their country. They turn out and the crowds are just, they're just unbelievable. And then Lula, it's an exact rerun of the Biden campaign. I say inverted commas because he was in a bunker. Four or five people stood because no one cared. And yet somehow... When it came to the election on Sunday, Lula came out with 48%, Bolsonaro with 43 And if you listen to any of the interviews with Brazilians on the street, they say, it's a fraud. It's a fraud. If they allow him to win, then we will march on Brasilia. We will march. We will not let this stand. So that global playbook that I personally believe was used here in America to enable Biden to be installed is exactly the same playbook being used in Brazil. And what's so strange about the left is they may have a lot of power, all the globalists, but they aren't very creative. No, it's true. Playbook. They do the, they it's do the, the same, same thing every time. Tip. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and so, so that's the wildness. But what's so terrific and restorative is those crowds. Um, and, and I feel exactly that way about Trump. And every Trump rally I ever went to is almost not no matter what happens, because it does matter. But there is something so restorative about standing amongst your own and knowing that ordinary people, ordinary Brits, ordinary Italians, ordinary Americans are still here. We're burning bright and we know the truth. And as much as you can say, well, that, yeah, all right, Katie, that's all very well, but we still don't have the Senate. Um, but it does matter. It does matter that ordinary people know because it's very uplifting. Oh, I do. And I just always uh, make this point. I'll make it again. The truth has such power. And that's why if there's one, you got a huge room of people and they all are saying, you know, COVID shots, or I'll just use that as an example, whatever. COVID shots are wonderful. Everybody has to have them. You have one person who stands up and say, no, I, I think you need to stop. I'm not sure. I don't think they're good. That person has to be destroyed. It's he's just one person, but truth has this impact. It shatters the illusions it shakes up, you know, the, shows the emperor naked without his clothes. It, so uh, when we have as much truth as we have worldwide, then I'm optimistic too. I, I was yeah. out last night with a lady um, and uh, she, um, she happened to see me wherever I was and she beeped her little car horn to stop me and slow me down and say hello. So we went out together, excuse me, <clears throat> and uh, she tells me this story. She's wherever I was, but she came from Seattle and she had a Trump sticker in her car. And her car tires were all slashed, but in a specific way, all of them. And so she got new ones put back on. They were slashed. Five more times this happened. And every time she took it to the, we would say garage. You'd say garage. Where do you get garage, tires? But I like garage. garage. You Ga say garage. garage. You just say go on. Every right time on. she went to the garage, <laughs> the gentleman said to her, you know how you could stop this happening? 
And she said, yes, I know. And he was inferring, you take that Trump sticker out, you'll be okay. She said, but I refused. And so by the end, he was fitting her tires for her for free because he so admired a lady not prepared to change her ways to make her life easier. And I I feel like that's so analogous for us in life. We may have our tires slashed and we may have to change them every time. But if you can still stand on a point of principle, good things will come back to reward you. I think so too. I also think we need to stand together. I, uh, we're having a lot of problems, as you know, and I don't want to talk, I really don't want to get off on America's problems today with you, but all kinds of people are being arrested. The FBI are visiting in the early morning, pulling oh, them yes. out of their beds. Horrible things are happening. And attorneys that had anything to do with President Trump are losing their license, their ability to get jobs. It's a massive punishment. It's a horrific thing that they're doing. Um, and so just this week, um, Jenny Thomas, who's the wife of Chief, Ju- uh, not Chief Justice, but Justice mm-hmm. Clarence Thomas, the J6 committee and the left have been after her for years because she's a mm-hmm. conservative activist. So they brought her before the committee. And if uh, the J6 committee has been like a Soviet trial, Katie, it's just unbelievable. They only, they, it's all scripted. All the testimony is like edited. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's unbelievable. So they bring her in, and she basically refuses to recant that she believes there was a problem with the 2020 election. Now, that may not sound like a big thing to yours, but in D.C., in that atmosphere, that's like, uh, that is the boldest. That's bold. And yet she stood by her guns. And it's just, it's amazing. I've, and that, I've spent time with her, and I find her to be just terrific. And the other thing that's missed when we sort of, narrate or comment on life is she's super fun she's super fun to be around she's filled with life and she's got fervor in her like she has light coming off of her so so that's why she can be so bold she's definitely some kind of angel I'm sure of it (laughs) I I don't well anyway she's a good friend of mine so I'm I'm thinking she she'd probably not say she's an angel but she's got such a great sense of humor you're right and I'm telling you when she well okay I won't say any more about that (laughs) but my point is the bravery and one person one person just encouraging people to be stay stick to your guns yeah stay true yeah so oh there's the music Katie that means we have to take a break these commercials get in the way so much (laughs) if only (laughs) Okay, well, listen, my guest is Katie Hopkins, and she's here in the United States to speak all around the country. And we'll we'll talk about that in a little bit more detail in a second, Katie, give you a chance to lay that out. And we'll put uh, the dates uh, of her engagements on our Getter page so that you can see where she's going to be. And when we come back, I want to talk even more globally just about what's happening, Katie, the, what the left has in mind for us. We'll be right back. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. with Sandy Rios in the morning on Getter or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. You can't imagine how much fun it is for me to have someone in studio. I love it. <laughs> Nothing like talking to yourself every morning to, you know, to make you crazy. I'm always better with an audience. Katie's my audience and I'm hers. <laughs> I know. It works out pretty well. We're, it's so nice. <laughs> it's so, and also we just, which I think actually is is the way, the, the you know, the, all of the best radio you can ever listen to is actually just 
people chatting. Yes. You know, and telling their honest truths. And I always feel that you speak to people much more honestly when you're face to face with them. I think that's yeah. always been true. I agree. And uh, yeah, so... But uh, let me reintroduce you, Katie, because uh, we might have new listeners. This is the last segment. Katie is a British conservative media p- personality. She's a trained economist, and so we're going to get into the economy in a little bit. A graduate of the Royal Military Academy at Sandhurst. Uh, she has uh, very well-known in Great Britain, <laughs> for good or for bad. Uh, <laughs> it used to be really good. She was the best-read columnist on the Daily Mail and the most-listened-to Sunday commercial radio show. Uh, and she was on the BBC and all kinds of uh, Western media as well. But uh, she's very blunt, like like her friend Sandy. And so she got herself <laughs> in trouble. Uh, and so she's here in the United States traveling around in an, because she loves this country as I love her country. Yeah, I uh, uh, thank you for that. But yes, I had to be, I guess, because of my, I refused to toe the editorial line. I refused to unsay the things that I saw. I refused to not see things that were obvious to me and to millions of other British people. And so... I had to be eviscerated from the face of my country. And uh, that was certainly a job that was done well. And this was five years ago. So it's been five years nearly since I've been allowed to speak in my own country. And people talk of cancel culture very politely. But for me, that meant the removal of my jobs, uh, my family home. They came for my children. And then a couple of jihadis uh, came to behead me. They're now doing time in prison. Um, And as a result of my work in South Africa for white farmers, I am banned from South Africa. And most recently, I was just deported from Australia for speaking out against the cruelty of lockdown whilst being in their country and being put in quarantine. So uh, I certainly have something of a reputation. But one thing about our side, and I know you know this only too well in your life, is that we may get punched and we may get hit to the canvas Uh, But the great thing about us is that we don't stay down. Uh, We get back up. And in many ways, I think we get back up and we look those people back in the eye and they know that we came back stronger. And the reason I spend so much time here in the States is not only because I truly love America and American people, and not just because you have great teeth and great customer service, <laughs> which you do, but well, uh, not so much like your Second Amendment, um, but because I believe in America and I believe you remain uh, our greatest hope and you remain the greatest nation on the face of the planet. And I know that at times that feels impossible to believe. And I know that as a foreigner, I don't understand all the things that other people do. But as I travel from state to state, like some story salesman, uh, I find it still to be absolutely true. And so that's why I'm here. I'm staying on the road till the midterms because I can't sit at home and do nothing And as I go from place to place, I stand in front of groups. Anybody that will have me, usually way out nowhere where no one else goes, uh, people that kept their businesses open during lockdown or have suffered personally as a result. And uh, so I'm going from where I am now. I'll be in Georgia. Uh, We've got 10 tickets left in Georgia. Uh, Then I'll give out the link in a second. Then I go to um, Wisconsin to help rally our side there. Uh, I'll be back in Florida and then I'm going to head to Pennsylvania to reawaken with Clay Clark and General Flynn. So if anybody would like those details, and thank you for this opportunity, um, is katiesarms.com. And I'll just, Katie, K-A-T-I-E-S, and then arms as in on your body, A-R-M-S. But like, if you imagine all British pubs 
are called the something arms, right? The Nelson's <laughs> arms, the King's arms. So during lockdown, I created an online pub, which basically was a place for people to relax and have fun. So if you go to www.katiesarms.com, all the links are for my events are there. Okay. But if you're in Alpharetta in Georgia on the 9th of October, grab a ticket now because it's stand up. It's going to be Patriot comedy with me in a bar okay. that stayed open. Okay. And, and I really want people to come because it'll be fun. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, so thank you. Katiesarms.com. We'll put exactly. that on our getter, our getter page. Uh, all right. So uh, Katie, this is not a new uh, clip. This happened a couple, a few years ago. I'm not sure the year. But this is the former Malaysian prime minister. His name was Mat Matatir Mohammed. Uh, and he's speaking, I think, to his parliament, or certainly he's speaking in, he's speaking in English, but he's talking about a meeting he had uh, with the globalists. And this is what, how he described it. We, all of you have to listen carefully, boost it if you have to, Adam, so that people can hear it from the very beginning. And just listen carefully because it's important. Here it is. We should abolish all states, all nations, all borders, but instead have only one world government. And that world government is to be by certain people, elites, people who are very rich, very intelligent, very powerful in many ways. They are the ones who will govern the world. There was not much talk about democracy or choice of leaders. Instead, there was to be a government by these elites who will impose their rules on everyone in this world. And for those who are unwilling to submit to them, there will be punishment. And the peace that we will get from this is the peace of the graveyard because the intention also is to reduce the number of people in this world. At the time when the new world order was enunciated, the population of this world was only 3 billion. The intention was to reduce it to 1 billion. Now the population of the world is 7 billion. There will be a need to kill many billions of people or to starve them to death or to prevent them from giving birth in order to reduce the population of this world. All right, again, that's the former Prime Minister of Malaysia. <clears throat> Katie, he says out loud what uh, many of us that are keeping tabs on this are saying. I'll be getting to say it out loud, too, and people don't want to hear it. But your thoughts about what's happening in the global arena in this world. Tell us what you think. And, and it's so the case that that clip helps to articulate very clearly why when an American might ask me, what do I think of Liz Truss, right, the new prime minister? And I can give, you know, certain details about her. But in many ways, it almost, I almost lack the enthusiasm to talk of Liz Truss because she feels so irrelevant. The notion that you still have democracy at a national level feels like at best an illusion and at worst a complete sham, just a mechanism of control of a people. And I feel now that there is so little that is decided at a national level by our government, by Liz Truss, that complete control has already been uh, allocated out to some global government. 
And it's so interesting that the we're actually seeing it happen. I mean, if the, what better example was there than lockdown and the vaccine rollout for a template that was imposed seemingly by national leaders and yet that template was identical in every single country. And that to me, and clearly this is just my personal opinion and nobody else has to share it, but I believe lockdown was absolutely almost like my daughter has a, a, a tractor license now and tractors have a number of levers that you use to control different elements of the tractor. I believe that's exactly what lockdown was. It was like someone with the levers and they were testing which levers of control were most effective at controlling a population or removing a section of the population or disabling a, pop a section of the population. And what we're seeing now is a rollout of those levers in longer play. Um, and that's why I think we see Bolsonaro following the Biden track. Um, sorry, Lula following the Biden track. And we see so many examples of it. So I'm so on page with what this gentleman is saying. But what we're always trying to do, I suspect you and I both, is bring our audiences with us. Yes. And somehow, sometimes you cannot lead with this kind of thing because you lose the room. Right. We're just trying to bring people with us. Right. It's true. But I think they're beginning to see how the cruelty, a COVID showed us the cruelty. Did it not? And so, um, um, Katie, I want to ask you about one issue and then I want to ask you about your daughter. Okay. So that's my agenda. So you'll know. When we spoke a year or so ago, during the COVID crisis in Britain, you were restricted in driving. Okay, it's my opinion. You could only drive seven kilometers, something like yeah. five kilometers from your home. My, not just a theory, but from reading, they they don't, the left, the globalists don't want us to be able to drive anymore. I feel like electric cars are just a smoke and mirrors. It's a, that they don't want you to get out and have the freedom. Say a word about that, because I think my listeners might think I'm crazy. With yeah, that. briefly, we will not own... We will not have the right to own a private vehicle, a car, in the UK within five years. We will not have that right. And every single sign is pointing to it. There are pilot schemes in towns and cities where if you hand in your car, so like a buyback, you get given a token, a voucher for public transport. There is the endlessly restrictive uh, road systems that you're seeing in California and other places. We won't be allowed to buy a gas vehicle in two years' time. And the electric vehicle, as you say, to me is an illusion. It's a, it's a sugar pill. It's a sugar pill designed to cover up the fact that within five years, we will not be allowed to move ourselves without permission. And that's absolutely coming in the UK. Yes, and I think the other part of that is, and we can't get off on this, but I, the whole housing issue, they don't want people to live out away from the central cities. They're moving. They want people to move into cities, live in government housing, high-rise near public transportation so that they could be completely controlled and monitored. Exactly. That is, take a look at San Diego. Take a look at Phoenix. Look what's being built. Yeah. That's how they design the future. And we know because they've, they're have they they're not being so quiet anymore. They're actually revealing their hand. All right. Well, let's, I don't know. You, you have a story and I don't even know what it is. So I don't know if this is a sad story or a happy story, but you never get to talk about your kids. You mentioned that your daughter has a tractor license, but there's another story yes. about her. Oh right? yeah, well, briefly, <laughs> briefly, um, and it's not, and it's not um, a, a wishing to talk about my children because actually, no, I think I, you and I share a sense of having a private thing. Yes, right? so yes. I never talk about this. Yeah, but in brief, um, I see all of this kind of 
crazy anti-abortion stuff. I mean, as in the crazy people who were fighting against the right to life, the crazy, ugly leftists. And I don't mean that in a physical way. I mean that in the way they present themselves. And I, and I feel like a personal story is helpful. So I was eight months pregnant with my eldest daughter, India, and I was told that she had a gene deletion, that she, um, her kidneys were three times the size they should be. She might not last a day. She might not last an hour. She might be a monster. She might be born with kidneys outside of her body. I was told the worst thing you can be told when you're eight months pregnant. And I was told that the only sensible thing was to be to abort my daughter. And the thing about being eight months pregnant, as many of you will know, is you actually can, there's a whole person moving around, you're chatting, they're moving around when you're eating or you're playing music. It's not, it's not a thing, it's a person. And I had all the stuff at home, it's going to set me off. And all the, her little um, cot and everything and grandparents waiting to meet a grandchild, you know. And so, but they made that thing sound like I was the stupid one if I didn't do this. But, you know, I decided, well, so be it. If she lives an hour or a day or she is a monster, I can take that pain better than I can take the pain of going home to my mum and dad without a grandchild that they promised. And so just the other day, we had India's 18th birthday. And she just rang me this morning and told me she just had a driving lesson. And her driving instructor, and she was very proud because India's a little different to the rest of us, but in a great way. Her driving instructor told her she's his best student because she listens hard and she remembers what he says. And so just for me, I think the pro-life and abortion issue can get taken into some horrible, you know, argument about posters and pictures and who's the law and who's the justice. And But if you take it down to the level of one and my daughter, I would just say that it's been nothing but a glorious thing. And India is a, is a triumph of herself. Well, now that is a wonderful way to end our conversation, Katie. So Katie Hopkins, she's here speaking in the States. And if you'd like to find out where and how you can find her, go to katiesarms.com, katiesarms.com. Katie Hopkins, delightful as always. And uh, this will give us uh, a way to understand how to pray for you too. Katie travels by herself and uh, she takes a lot of risks. And so when you think of Katie Hopkins, uh, she's wonderful, she's funny, but pray for her. All right, Katie. Nice to talk to you. Sandy Rios, by the way, in the morning on AFR Talk.